Welcome, friends, to the Freedom Cast. You are not the crazy one. Not quite a podcast, but rather a kick of confidence to pursue real freedom in your life and not the false manufactured freedom of this world. My name is Jody Meschuk, and I am super excited that you are here and a part of a community of sovereign human beings. Listen, if you've been called crazy, you are not alone because I've been called crazy for 13 years talking about truth. We are going to dive deep into some controversial things. Not sure why they're called controversial when they're truth, but we're going to dig deep into them. Some hard things we're going to talk about some things that might step on some toes, and you can take what resonates with you and leave the rest behind, kind of like a buffet. My goal is just for you to feel less crazy because you're not. Truth is not subjective, but people are. Even though you know, hmm, others still don't. Where the everyday mama meets uncompromised truth and where your small apprehensive no becomes a strong and resounding hell no. Let's get into it. All right, Allison, thank you so much for joining me today on the Freedom Cast. Um, I'm sure we'll be getting into a little bit of Freedom Talk today too, but Allison Lundin, am I pronouncing that correct? You are, yep. Um, Well, I really appreciate you taking the time out to hop on and um, really share what what basically your family has gone through um, in terms of the uh, health care that your your father did or did not receive. And I did watch that video a few times. I had it sent to me a lot of times. So you know people are out there watching it. Um, and hopefully, you know, who knows what the big tech overlords will do, but it's always good to have your story on other platforms so more people can hear it. Um, so I think I just wanted to start with maybe you share... Mm-hmm. Um, whatever version, like condensed, long, doesn't matter, um, kind of what your family has gone through and what what the, that story of your father was um, with the, the medical system. Absolutely. And thank you for getting our story out there because we really feel like my dad's life was not taken in vain. So um, our family is a huge family of faith and we know God has a plan in all of this. So with that being said, my dad's biggest passion was COVID and speaking against it because he saw the corruption amidst it so it's very ironic and we say he will he will be saying really lord did you have to put covid on my death certificate but um so he contracted covid and got sick and the crazy part is is because we had seen the censorship i had actually shared stella Emanuela last summer about speaking out on the hydrochloroquine and how they just completely demolished her which i know you are similar you you know how that feels um, it really got my head spinning. Like, why are they spinning this? Why are they canceling her? Why, why are they silencing her? So at that point, I started really digging deep into what's going on. And the crazy part is, is I figured out like the preventative treatments and what we would want as a family at that time. But I never really thought that we would necessarily have to use it or walk this path. So I wasn't, even though I knew I wasn't prepared. So my dad got COVID and, you know, we didn't know it was COVID right away. So he, on day five, six, he goes in because he's having a hard time with his oxygen levels. And he took a test. And my first red flag is he took a test and they sent him home with absolutely nothing, no preventative care and said, go home, rest and hydrate. And if you get sicker, call an ambulance. 
Wow. That was, I'm like their medical advice. So right there, I'm thinking it is all reactive medical advice. Where's the proactive, where's the prevention? Mm -hmm. So knowing what I knew and my cousin is a nurse, we got on it and we got all of the vitamins, you know, the zinc, the um, quercetin, the vitamin C, the vitamin D3, all of those things, everything that we could, we got it. And we also got a Metella health conference at that time with a doctor that we would know that would prescribe ivermectin because we have been hearing, obviously ivermectin is everywhere in the news. And we see the news putting a picture of a horse on and trying to cancel it. I'm like, that's the drug we want, because if they're trying to cancel it, it's probably working. <laughs> that's so true. <laughs> that's what the general rule of thumb is do the opposite of whatever the media tells you. 100%. And it's so sad that that's what we've got to do. So thankfully we got him this ivermectin. He got two doses in. So he was on the stuff for two days, but unfortunately we weren't home and my mom was with him. His oxygen levels were dropping. So in the middle of the night, she had to call the ambulance, have him taken to the hospital because he needed more help. And we just thought he'd get some oxygen, maybe an IV and he'd come home. Um, and just as a heads up, that's the last time any of us saw him. Mm. So he went to the hospital and the crazy part of how this story plays out is it is like the Lord kept on peeling the onion back because there's so many layers to what's going on in the medical system right now. And the biggest one at that time was the isolation. You have no contact with your loved one. And honestly, you barely have any contact with the physicians or the nurses. You're at their mercy. You maybe get to talk to a doctor once a day or a nurse once a day, maybe. And, you know, time is of the essence. So this is something where it just snowballs. Yeah. So we've put my dad in the hospital and um, we were trying, oh, and we sent him up with all of his medication, his ivermectin, all of the vitamins. They called us and told us, why don't you come up, get his personal belongings. And with that included his medication and his oh, of course. Of vitamins. Course. So we just thought, honestly, this is how naive I was to the medical system. We thought they can't use outside. They'll just prescribe it and get the pharmacy medication because, you know, this is what he's been taking. Well, the very first time I got to talk to the doctor, I said, we want him to finish his ivermectin prescription. It was doctor prescribed human form, hundred percent safe. And he just squirmed, he squirmed and squirmed. And I'm going to just make this long story short. We realized right then and there, we have no voice in our medical say and how, and the protocol that we wanted for my dad. Yeah. And the, the nightmare started when we realized we knew exactly what we wanted for him. We had looked up the frontline doctors. We had the protocol in front of us. We knew all these drugs were not experimental drugs, that doctors were actually using them and having success. It wasn't like we were asking them to do something that would be uncomfortable for them um, or risky. And they denied us every step of the way. They went to the board of doctors he said, I'll see if anyone feels comfortable administering ivermectin to your dad. And if they do, I'll switch them out of my care. And he came back and said, we cannot do it as a hospital. So that's when we got scared and we got a lawyer involved. And okay. yes, so my dad's friend is a lawyer, wrote a letter up there, said, we demand you allow him to finish his prescription that was prescribed by a doctor. And they just said, it's not in our protocol. Here's an FDA link as to why we will not use ivermectin. And of course, a horse was at the top of that picture. So frustrating. So um, as we're trying to fight for ivermectin for my dad behind the scenes, we didn't realize all of this other stuff was going on, such as they put him on a drug called remdesivir. Oh. And we knew I had heard it out and about in the medical community, but I really didn't know much about it. 
So just for your audience to know, he's been on remdesivir now for like five days, right? And he just is gradually declining, declining, declining. Everything we saw said, don't let them put them in the ICU. As soon as they get into the ICU, they just want to vent them, you know, these patients, these COVID patients. And as soon as they vent them, the chances of them coming off are slim to none. Right. So my dad kept declining. And sure enough, the nurse called and said, we need to move him to the ICU where he can get better respiratory health and better medication. And so I said, we don't want him in the ICU. At this point, with the response we got from the hospital, we said, we're looking at other hospitals. We want to transfer him out. And I think my biggest message to your viewers is call your hospital before you even get sick and see what their protocol is. We didn't yes. know we needed to vet our hospitals. We thought we could have a say in our own healthcare and you don't. You have yeah, no say. You bring that up because <clears throat> I actually yesterday, uh, I don't know, something in my intuition, my spirit, you know, God gives us this intuition that never steers us wrong. It's just like, do we listen to it? Are we listening to the promptings? And I was like, you know, not that I would ever think we would, you know, need to go to a hospital, but you just, you just yeah. never know. And yeah. I was sort of also curious, what are the protocols? What? And so I called one of the local ones and um, I said, Hey, I'm just curious, you know, if we were to need some additional treatment, mm -hmm. what do you offer? Do you offer ivermectin? And it was, it was as if I offended this nurse beyond belief. She said, well, I do not believe that that works. And I can show you links debunking all of the stuff. And I go, but I can show you links showing it works. Yeah. So yep. where, is, where is the patient's right to try, right? Exactly. What about that whole right to try law? So anyway, go ahead and, and yeah. It is crazy. And exactly what you said, I talked to four doctors and our nurses actually were amazing. And they were trying to, most of them were trying to advocate for us, or at least they weren't making us feel stupid. But the four doctors squirmed, like you said, that reaction of like, I just said, Iver, and they just were like, nope, nope. You know, it was like, and I knew, and I actually even just begged the doctors to be honest with me and tell me this is political because it made no sense. And especially when you see how safe ivermectin is, pregnant women can be on it. It's safer than Tylenol. So it just made no sense. And our doctors couldn't give us any data. They didn't offer one link to say how it was harmful. We asked any of them if they've tried using it for COVID and none of them had even tried using it. And they said, well, all secondhand stories are what we've heard. And so it's like, I would rather believe the doctors in the field who are having success than you guys who are just listening to the FDA guidelines. Yeah. So with all that being said, I'm trying to fight my dad not to go to the ICU. I said, we're trying, we don't want him. And basically they're like, no, he needs to go. He's coding. We need to get him over there for better care. So again, even though I'm saying, no, you're not physically there, they move him. So at that point, we, our lawyer wrote another letter and said a lot more information in it and said, we demand you give him to this give this to him. If you do not, this will be our evidence of medical malpractice. You're denying the patient the right to his own prescription. Good. They sent back our stance is the same. Nothing has changed. We will not, we will not move from the protocol. So it was just so defeating at that point, we really lost all hope that we were going to get my dad back. Um, which now, is there was, there was no way for you to either even get in there with him. Like, did the lawyer advocate and try for you to get in there with him physically? Well, no, I mean, I guess we didn't advocate for that, but we showed up. I mean, we showed up a few times and they're like, oh no, my mom showed up and 
asked if she could go up to the waiting room and they're like, oh, you didn't call ahead. You didn't make an appointment. And they were going to make her go up by herself. My mom had just gotten over COVID and the COVID fog is real. So she wasn't, I had been dealing with the doctors and they weren't even going to let her bring anyone up to talk to the doctor with her about what the situation is. And so she begged and was crying. And they finally said, we're really breaking the rules here. We'll let one person up to the waiting room. I mean, and the waiting room is completely separate from the COVID wing. There's no overlap. So it is criminal. It is criminal. The hospitals that will not allow you in to see your loved ones. It is, I can't tell you how awful that is. And I know that looking, looking 18 months later, right? So we, we saw this happening in March of 2020, especially in New York and watching yeah. the videos yeah. and even seeing some of the nurses speak out who probably were doing one of the most scariest things in their life, speaking out against what was happening with the vents. And yeah. um, you would think 18 months later, something would change. Well, and that's another red flag. And that's what so many nurses have said. How have we not made any progress in this? It's, it's all calculated. And it's really, once you see the plan, they don't want to make progress. They don't want the deaths to stop. And it's really sad to see that. And it's hard to say that because so many in the medical field do want to make progress, but it's a block from big pharma up here. So at least that's so your dad was in the ICU and did they put him on a ventilator. Well, so this is the other, and like I, well, like I told you from the beginning, we really feel like the Lord allowed us to see each peel unravel. And I, because I'm on different pages on Instagram that are talking about these topics, um, I had seen someone post that she was a medical coder and she was writing up all of these things, um, all of these instances where people were in the ICU on vents. And she noticed every single one of them got this drug called Presidex as soon as they got into the ICU. Mm. And she said, that's really odd because with COVID, it's always lung issues and Presidex decreases oxygen and it actually increases fluid and moisture in your lungs. So all of these people who are fighting lung issues should not be on this drug. Well, I didn't realize as soon as he got in the ICU, they put him on Presidex, right. but they told my mom and you know, you don't know what drugs are. You don't know what they're, you know, um, reactions are to them or what's going on you just say okay they told her it was to relax him you know so that he could breathe like better. yeah yes exactly yeah. but you're in the ICU to breathe better you don't want to decrease your oxygenation so mm -hmm. what this coder said is they're just trying to stick a tube down your throat and vent you as soon as you get in there and it's so sad it was like again it came true 12 hours after he was in the ICU he was on a vent and they called us and they're like we need to intubate him he's coding and we're like Oh, we don't know, you know, we're, yeah. and you have no say, like, you can't say no. They're like, no, he's gotta, you know, like try to keep him alive, whatever that is called. Like, we need to do this. This is in our hands. We're doing it. So they intubated him and we didn't get a call for five hours after that call. And you're just wondering what's going on And here. Half of his lung had collapsed. He had two, two chest tubes in, and now he's on a vent and, you know, never got to talk to him before he went on that vent, never got to see him before he could still talk to us. Mm -hmm. So that was the second thing, Presidex. I think that drug is a huge name to alert people to do not allow them to go on that. And then when the real eye-opening part came and we thought, you know, we feel like we've been in a war. We really do. This has been 10 days of hell on earth that we've been walking a nightmare trying to fight for my dad. Um, and 
the real kicker was that night after he was vented, my sister messaged me and said, hey, Allie, is dad on remdesivir? And I said, yes, he is, Mel. I know I've heard people say it's not a good drug, but I'm so sick of fighting. I just, I'm, I can't fight anymore. And she's like, I totally understand. So we let it go. Well, the next morning, my other sister, um, Jenny was in her town and she sent me this video clip of Dr. Artis. It was a 10 minute video clip talking all about remdesivir. And I'm like, okay, Lord, you know, I, I didn't listen to the first one, but now you're bringing the exact same drug back up. I'll watch it. It's 10 minutes. And I watched the first five minutes and I shut that thing off and I called the hospital. And I said, stop remdesivir immediately. Yeah. Because what I found out is that Fauci knew in 2018, he used this experimental non-FDA approved drug, remdesivir, in studies for Ebola. And what he found out is, and don't quote me on the exact statistics, but the effects of being on remdesivir were kidney failure, shock, and then ultimately organ failure. Mm -hmm. And what I hadn't told you is 24 hours after my dad was on that vent, his kidneys failed, he got on dialysis, his body went into shock and they said the next thing would be his organs would stop. Yeah. So when I heard that and Dr. Artis said exactly what is happening to my dad, it's like the Lord allowed us to see. And I told, I just told my sister because our faith 100% is in the good Lord. We know he could have healed him outside of ivermectin, outside of remdesivir. We had hundreds of thousands of people literally praying for him. And for some reason he chose not to, but what he did chose choose to do is he cho chose to reveal every step of the plan of the enemy is really what we thought. Yes. Our initial fight was for ivermectin. We realized they deny you the right to choose. Our next fight or the isolation was a huge part of the enemy's plan. Um, the Presidex, just getting them, these patients on vents right away. And then the last piece is the remdesivir. And he allowed us to see what that does to humans' bodies because it happened to my dad. We saw his body shut down in front of our eyes. Why are all these people getting COVID dying from kidney failure? Like, it doesn't make sense. But, but so, on the death certificate, they list COVID oh um, because it's they're not going to list that it's an adverse event to medication, just like people who are actually legitimately dying from adverse events of a vaccine. It's happened absolutely. for, it's happened for years, you know, just because something is approved doesn't mean it's safe yeah. at all. No, and that actually remdesivir. So going back to that, they had to pull the study because over half of the people in the study were having those same effects. And it was not FDA approved until mid pandemic, I believe. So Fauci chose that drug knowing exactly the effects it had. And not only did he choose it, but Dr. Artis, what he had said, and he showed the evidence is he bought it all out. So that first year, the first year for, through October, I believe, America was the only one who had access to that drug. And America had some of the highest death rates. And so it just doesn't make sense. When you're looking at the medical, like we should be the most advanced, we should have the best medicine. So you start connecting the dots and you realize it was intentional. Yeah, was and intentional. He's, he's making a ton of money on remdesivir. Remdesivir so. is $3,100. Yeah. $3,100 for the regimen for five days and ivermectin is like $2 a day. Yeah. So how long ago was this? So when did your dad um, pass? My dad passed away on September 1st. Okay. So, so it's it just a few weeks ago. Yeah. Yep. Or a couple a weeks, weeks ago. Mm -hmm. And the video, I saw the video that you posted of him in the hospital. Was that, but that was obviously before ICU. That was the day he moved to the ICU. Yeah. And I wanted to share that because he was still sitting up and talking and he was strong. 
And so it just, you know, you think of when they go on event, you think these people are already like pretty much knocked out and he wasn't, he was so strong. He could talk to us the whole way. And so that's where we just know the organ failure was not an effect from COVID. And also on top of that, and what I'm learning, I mean, there's so many facets, but the hospitals are treating COVID, they're not treating pneumonia. So these patients shouldn't even have the protocol that they're having. If they would treat pneumonia, they would be doing different things. And so it does ravage their lungs because they are making it the worst possible conditions for these people in the hospitals. They're keeping them bedridden, they're keeping them down, they're keeping them, you know, so there's and so many was, This was a, I don't know if you want to give the name, you're totally welcome to or not, but this was in Wisconsin, right? Or Michigan? I do want to give the name if I'm oh, allowed to. Yeah, <laughs> I've actually heard so many horror stories from the same hospital. And what I want your listeners to know is we're not New York. We're not big city. This is rural Midwest. It's Marshfield Medical Center in Marshfield, Wisconsin. It is mm-hmm. small hometown something we never thought we would experience. And I think that's important because like you said, you heard the horror stories in New York, you hear them here and there, but never did we think in our small hometown Midwest hospital, we would be hearing this or be dealing with this. And I am curious, did you, um, or have you heard of the monoclonal treatment antibody treatment? Was that a part of the conversation? It was a part of the conversation. So when my dad got there, they used to, we actually, my mom had my dad go to Marshfield because her brother had gotten the antibodies and he had comorbidities and he got out just fine. So that's why she wanted him there. When my dad went, they said, we no longer do that because we found it to be unsuccessful. Mm. And then we said, well, we still want it. And they're like, if he gets worse, we'll give it to him. And we're like, seriously? And he's like, we'll assess it then. Well, then he got to the ICU and we said, we want the antibodies. And they said, he's too bad. We can't give it to him now. So everything it's, they shut down every alternative treatment that we could have. So not only are the hospitals not proactive whatsoever, but once you get in there, they are not treating. It's almost like, it's almost like what needs to happen is like you with the lawyer and the paperwork and you literally march in there and you go, no, I this know. is what we're doing. I'm giving him this. I'm doing this. It's almost like that's what people have to do now. And I wish, you know, looking back, there's so many things we're like, why didn't we, why didn't we pull him and bring him home on hospice? Because then we could have given him what we wanted. Why didn't we do this and that? And that's where, honestly, that's where our peace comes in knowing yeah. he's the casualty of this war. And we're going to try and help as many people as possible because, you know, like I was telling my family, we were fighting for my dad's, like, we just, we were grieving what was going on on top of trying to fight this legal battle that you should never have to do when your loved one's in the hospital. So I know looking back, we're like, oh, we should have, we should have. And it's, well, and I think that's one of the hardest things is, you know, I even think about that with our own story um, with my son um, being vaccine injured and um, almost dying. And you, you, you know, the enemy wants you to feel guilt and shame and keep you in that really low, horrible place because that's how the enemy continues to control you, right? But it's like, how can we look at that? And I think what's so beautiful about your story and your family is really that profession of faith that is like a witness to the entire world, right? Like we could sit here and, and blame God and I'm going to start to tear up because it's just such a touching story. Um, We can blame God and we can sit in those places of shame and guilt, but that 
that is that's what that's when the enemy wins it's when we take, it's when we take our stories and and who can who can refute stories right and and this is what's so crazy about the world is you're not allowed to share your story for some reason you're called a liar you're called you know a domestic terrorist i mean you're called all of these things in the in the media and and you have even people like don lemon and on CNN, literally saying, well, we should just shame these people. It's time to just shame these people who are, you know, what they're choosing because they believe in medical freedom and they believe in the right to try and they believe in all of these alternative treatments. Well, let's just shame them. Let's just knock them down. Um, And you you and I were talking kind of in the very beginning before this started about like, that is, if, if we do not see that that is Satan at work. Yes. I mean, it's so, it's so clear. Right. That's what when people can't allow themselves to go there with the government and they say, no, they're for working for us. I, it, it's just hard. Once you get that mental aspect of why Satan is on this earth and he is ruling on this earth and it's to come to steal, kill and destroy. And what a better way, power and money. That's what it turns into. So once you put your head, like our fight and our battle is not against these specific doctors, our fight and our battle is against the darkness and the enemy and how he's working. And the one other part of the story, Jody, that I wanted to share with you, because it is the inhumanity of it all, is the, the one time my whole family got to meet with the doctor at Marshfield, and we, he was trying to convince us to sh- shut the vent off for my dad because he would be more comfortable passing away, which makes no sense because he was completely sedated. Um, he, he said, what if I told you all five of you could go back and see your dad together, which I mean, we thought was the best biggest treasure because none of us had seen him yet and it's terrible that we should have to like beg to see him together and we're like that would be amazing thank you and he's like all you have to do is you have to turn the vent off and we're like what so just the inhumanity of they were not going to allow us to see our dad unless we chose to let him die so he told us he has one to two days to live on the vent or one to two hours off the vent, but because he only has, because he still has a whole 24 to 48 hours, it's not close enough to death for us to be able to go back and see him. And that's the enemy. I mean, if you can't get any darker than that, that's where our eyes just saw into the spiritual realm and realized this fight is, it's, it's ugly and, and it's real. You just think like, what, where's the bedside manner? What happened to the bedside manner? What happened to actual humanity for like, you look at the medical profession and really truly historically, um, you know, you, you look at well before big pharma came into the picture, like even when doctors were using penicillin and that was like really the main form of medicine and it, and it did wonders, right? It, It does wonders in certain situations and antibiotics can be great. And then all of a sudden, as big pharma takes over and gets more control and they're actually writing the medical books that these doctors are learning from in medical school and going in there and teaching them and not even, not even helping them to critically think. Like, I think, you know, I'm more, I'm obviously in the natural medicine side in naturopathy and homeopathy and all of these things. And the whole premise of that is to critically think and ask questions and to treat your patient for what your patient needs. It is absolutely inhumane to me to think that all of these people fit into one box because that's just not the way our bodies are made. 
Exactly. And I actually have a video of me telling that to our doctor on my blog post, because I said, we saw my dad declining every step of the way, and you still weren't willing to change the protocol And medicine should not ever be one size fits all. Right. And we should have a say in our own health care. So it's, it's interesting. And yeah, there's definitely that big pharma, bigger picture. Now, do you guys, do you feel as a family, um, your views really changed at all or solidified at all through this journey? Like, was it, was it an eye-opening moment for a lot of people in your family or for you? Like just kind of that process um, where, you know, I can, again, look at my story in the last 13 years and go, yeah, like I used to be really trusting of medicine. If I was sick, I would go to urgent care. I would get the antibiotics. I had no clue about probiotics. I had no clue about taking care of myself with food, exercise, you know, prayer. So did, did, was this also a moment in your life that was, you know, eye-opening in other ways? 100%. I would say over this whole last year and that is a huge blessing. Our whole family is on the same page because I know this is tearing families apart. So we are so grateful for that. But this whole last year has been eye-opening. And this was like the cherry on top. It's kind of like, you know, all of those things that say until it affects you, you can kind of just be like, oh, I'm sorry for them. And this is when I realized, and because my whole income, my whole job is based on social media. And so we really are choosing to risk it all by sharing the story because the censorship is real. And I know, you know that. And so, but it was like, this is real. This has affected us. And if this is affecting me in small town, Midwest, Minnesota, this is affecting everyone. And if you haven't been affected by it yet, you will be affected by it. And so even for those bullies and those naysayers, we're fighting for you. And someday you might be in the same position. And in the back of your mind, you might remember that crazy girl who told her story and you might say, oh my goodness, this is not made up. This is not a conspiracy theory. There's a bigger work at play. You, you have, correct me if I'm wrong, but you have been canceled, right? Already by some sponsors or Yes. Yep. I was canceled immediately, um, by a dog food. Um, and which by the way, way, we were using, I since canceled my subscription and I shall use somebody else now. Well, thank you. Mm -hmm. And I, I don't know, there's blurred lines as to if it was the marketing company working for them or if it was them, but someone messed up big time and it was completely insensitive and heartless. They were choosing to not pay me for the month prior, even when I posted when my dad was dying. And so it was, it was like that gut punch because I'm still grieving, right? Our family is still grieving. This is raw. And so then to get that, and then in, so I was also talking to my brand manager that gets all of mine. And he said, expect a lot of follow. Cause I know, you know how it works. Those bullies, they just, they get loud in the DMs. They see who is sponsoring you and they go over there and they make you look awful and brands just say, I don't want, you know, you're a number. I don't want this and let's get rid of this. But by the grace of God, he has protected me. And he, there is a silent army out there, Jody. And I know, you know it. Oh yes. What I told my mom, I said, mom, everyone wants a voice right now. And for some reason, the Lord gave me a platform and not everyone's bold enough to talk, but when they mess with my daddy, that got me bold enough to talk about this. And people are so excited to hear someone speak out against the narrative. And everyone is willing to come behind that because they might not have a megaphone like I have right now that the Lord chose to give me. And so they are coming and supporting us. And it is 
the most phenomenal thing to see. Well, I can guarantee you, you have a very, very big army behind you. And I have felt that as well with my community. It's been a very difficult 18 months, a lot of ups and downs and, you know, just this, the, the articles that are written about you and the slandering and, and the Reddit forums. I mean, gosh, if Reddit, in my opinion, is like of the devil. <laughs> I don't even know about Reddit yet. And I'm not even going to go, go there. there. <laughs> don't go there. Don't. I have my brand manager send me stuff and I'm like, cool, thanks. Just keep an eye on it because I don't yeah. want to go there. <laughs> I know. I don't want to. I don't want to see that. Yeah. But we do need. Um, and so for those of you listening is we do need the silent army to get louder, right? Yeah. We need that, people yeah. to be talking more and getting louder because they can't cancel everybody. And, you know, you're so just brave and bold to be able to take those arrows for people and your family too. And that, that speaks volumes, you know? Well, and that was my call to action because there is so many people tuning in and because they trust me. And I said, this is my story. Mm. If you have a story, like you said, they can't deny you your story. They can't deny you your testimony and the road you walked. I mean, people will try to, but this is, this is what happened. And so everyone has a story. And if you have a story and you have 50 people listening, you share your story because we, again, we can't touch up here, but what we can do is we can get loud. And I'll tell you what's happening at Marshfield Medical Center is right now, we found out the other hospital in the town next nearby the phone is off the hook because people are calling around to hospitals just like you did. And they're trying to find ones that have protocols that will work with them. And people are going to take their business elsewhere. And that's where our voice speaks, our money speaks. And these small town hospitals is they're getting paid by big pharma, but they're only getting paid if they have customers. And that's that's just like the minute that we as humanity can switch our mindset from what I used to believe, which is, oh, they're there to help us. They're there. They work for the government. They, you know, they, they have medicine like, oh, no way they would, they want to hurt people. And I think the other side of that conversation too, is I don't know necessarily that some of these doctors are blatantly wanting to kill people. They are brainwashed. They are trusting. They're blindly trusting and indoctrinating. And until it hits home for them, they won't wake up because I have a whole network of doctors that I communicate with every day who have turned their back on Western medicine because they finally woke up to see the corruption. Right. But you have, you have this trust Mm -hmm. that they're there to help us. But what if we were to switch our mindset and go, wait a minute, I'm the customer and I can take my business elsewhere. The same thing in public schools. This is a big part of my platform. Get your kids out of public school. Homeschool mom here. And it's not to say that the teachers there are all bad. No. They also might be blindly believing and trusting and um, other reasons maybe. But what happens when we unify, we bankrupt hospitals and we bankrupt public schools, then they're going to change. Yep. So that silent army is not, they don't realize they have the, just as much power. So yeah, just to corral yeah. the mission and it is powerful. So and that's you- what I want to make known. This is not us versus them. Like I, those, some of those nurses were our lifeline. Like we know there's so many good people in any profession there, you know, you've got the people that are fighting to really expose or even just fighting just, just good people. 
So I don't want to say everyone at Marshall Hospital is bad because there's not. We had amazing experiences with some of those people. Yeah, oh, for sure. And that's just it is it's not, it's, it's people are in a bad system. Yeah. And hopefully my hope is that a lot of these nurses and doctors will start to speak out more as they start to see this happening because it's blatant. It's like yeah. literally blatant. Yeah. Um, now has your attorney um, given advice? You don't have to share whatever you can't share, but has your attorney um, given advice on, you know, medical malpractice or anything that, or maybe even anything that's happening right now? Because I think also a big part of this is when something happens, we do have this justice system set up in this country for a yep. reason, right? And so are we using that system? Yeah. And he has, you know, we also found out that there's already another lawsuit that's working in the same manner. So we're trying to work together. But um, he did say because hospitals are so protected, like he does not think that because they were following the protocol set by the government, that medical malpractice would be a valid fight, but he is working angles. And he's like, I think the way we can make it is just that they denied a legal prescription. Um, they denied your dad the right. So I think, you know, we're, we're going to see, we're going to, you know, going up against any hospital is, is really tough because their legal team is tough, but we're going to try because it's not okay. And, you know, I never thought that this isn't, and that's, this is nothing to do with money whatsoever. It's just to do with exposing what's going on. Yeah. And that, that should tell humanity a lot of things too, is how protected hospitals are yeah. based off of what the you know, federal government is saying. And a lot of people have no clue that the CDC is actually not a part of the federal government. It's a private entity. And so know that. they take, they take the CDC's word as if it's, you know, the word of God. And we are seeing a lot of what, what I, what I would, you know, equate and refer to like this religion of scientism, right? Yeah. It's become a, a cult religion. And what if people were to step back and go, well, wait a minute, that's like a private organization. And why am I taking advice from them? And who are they getting money from? Exactly. Follow, the money. follow the money. Always follow the money. That's what opened my eyes the biggest. Follow the money. And it's, and the money is the root of all evil. It's yes. biblical. So, yes. So, um, I wanted to ask you a couple just last questions um, is number one, what encouragement can you give people out there who are, well, maybe they have not fought this fight yet, but maybe they might find themselves in this fight. And then also maybe they are currently in this fight with a loved one. What, what would you, what advice would you give them? First of all, I think like what you said is take your healthcare back, put it in your own hands and like the one thing that got deleted off my Instagram page was the preventative medications I had on there before you get to the hospital. That's what they deleted. So just be proactive in your own healthcare and start getting, having all of those vitamins and taking your health back so that you don't have to rely on a hospital because by that time, I mean, I wish we would have known that, but it was just too late. So I think that's a huge one. And I think the more preventative medicine we can get, the more business we pull away, it's all this huge circle. Um, and then secondly, like I told you, it's just band together. People who are in healthcare that are seeing this band together, these government, these, you know, entities, they can't handle a mass exodus. They can't handle, you know, five, even five people leaving at this point because they're saying we don't agree with what you're doing or doctors, you know? So if you are, just get bold if you're there. And if you are walking the same path and you're me, get loud. 
You know, I think if everyone gets loud, they can't deny us. I think we're seeing them scramble in the media because people are getting loud and what they're saying in the media doesn't even make sense anymore because they're trying to cover up so many voices. Oh yes. And, and I think we're, we're seeing a little bit of that tide turn in terms of, you know, nurses walking off the job because they don't want to be mandated to inject something into their bodies that maybe they don't agree, agree with, you know, yeah. so hopefully so yeah. my hope and prayer is that people will, will realize that God has given them a voice and um, that's what we're supposed to be using, you know? Absolutely. And God is faithful in that too. Like, yeah. I wish people would understand how faithful he truly is. So, well, and I think that was kind of like my last question I wanted to ask you was really honoring your, your father's memory and, um, you know, watching that, that video of him and just, a, it really, to me is like a profession of, of faith and, and trust in Jesus. And so what, to maybe take this opportunity and moment to like share what your father would want people to know. And, you know, Jesus, Jesus is always with us. Amen. Yeah. Well, first of all, my dad was a little feisty. So that's what we tell my mom. He'd want this battle. Mom, he'd want us to fight this battle. And so that's where we take, you know, courage to and boldness from. And then um, the biggest message, and that's what I said through all of this is my dad was never afraid. He was more worried about us at home. He didn't even know the legal battle. We didn't allow him to know what we were fighting behind the scenes because we just wanted him to get better. But he was never afraid. He would send us videos and he would say, God is good all the time. Thank you for the prayers. I feel them. We know God is in control and he was never afraid. And that's something the world doesn't understand because this world operates on fear and Satan, because Satan is in this world, fear is overtaking it. And people are doing really crazy things to try to prolong their earthly life. And the one message above all messages is we don't need to be afraid because this is not our home. We all face death. We all are going to have to come to that day. We don't know when that day is. And what do you want? Like, you need to know what's going to happen when that happens. And my dad would say, put your faith and your trust in a savior, Jesus, who died on the cross for our sins so that we can have the hope of eternity, knowing that we can spend the rest of our lives there. And it's where all of our peace comes from. We said, dad, you win. You're up there. You're up there. And we're still down here. We're going to fight this battle till we get to see you again. And we will, we will all we will. see each other in heaven, right? That's, yeah. that's the exciting part. Well, yeah. thank you so much for taking time out. I know it's very raw still, um, but you know, just like you, I believe it's so important that we find any way possible to be able to get the true stories of what's happening out there. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's like we're in a constant um, demonic battle against the media Spiritual, and yeah. Big, yeah. big tech. And we're just, we're gonna get this out there. And um, if it helps, even my motto is wake up every day. And I always say, I want to save one baby at a time today. Right. And we, if we impact one human being from this, it's worth it. Amen. Amen. Thank you for helping us get the story out there because this is part of the army. So we thank you. Well, let people know where they can follow you. um, Whatever, you know, is it, whether it's your blog or website. Right now I would say at. Proverbs Girl 2, PRVBS2 um, on Instagram. I'm trying to have a little bit of protection between yes. um, the two accounts. So, and then my blog is Proverbs31girl.com. So um, you can check that out too. Well, you certainly have an army behind you and you'll have a larger army now. And um, I just thank you so much for taking the time. Thanks so much, Jody. I appreciate it.
Hey guys, thanks for joining the episode today. As a reminder, you can connect with me over at thewarriorcenter.com. You can also grab my book, Autism Reimagined, on Amazon, available both Audible, ebook, Spanish, English, and you can also head to therighttorule.com for some freedom gear. Remember this, my friends, you are a sovereign human being and you hold the power not the government. See you next time.